Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation and Rebel Alliance Media Network, go to rebelalliancemedia.com. We have another podcast we put out on Mondays called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids, which is meant for families and kids to learn about church history together. And they're doing a really awesome summer series right now called Systematics for Saplings, which you should be following along with with your family. Yep. So for 12 weeks. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. For 12 weeks during the summer, we wrote and are publishing a systematic theology geared towards kids and for families to use during family worship. And so every week has a different doctrine that we dig into. Pick apart. Yep. And every week it gets posted on the Rebel Alliance Media blog, which mm-hmm. is then put out in the on our social media accounts. Yep. And the podcast every week is kind of a short overview prep for the week of... And that's the Fathers of the Faith podcast. Right. That you're talking through the systematics for saplings on. Exactly. So if you do the podcast and the study through the week, you'll get some good stuff for the summer. This is a really easy way for you guys, if your family has not traditionally done family worship to just jump in. It is not time consuming. It can take like five minutes at the breakfast table or dinner table. So this week we're talking about the triune nature of God. If you haven't gotten into that yet, like it's not too late to start. Jump right in. Week one is available. Week two is being released tonight. We're releasing the guide, the week's guide every Mm -hmm. Sunday. Go check that out. We also have the Rebel podcast in our network that comes out on Wednesdays. That's the OG podcast. Yeah, that's what started it all. That's our meat and potatoes right there. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Our boys from Canada, P-Nate and Chris Poots, who do an incredible job engaging uh, hot cultural topics with a biblical worldview and really producing some good quality content up there. Last week, they talked about the Netflix and like Hulu scandal, um, basically supporting pro-choice legislature. And it was very enjoyable and helpful, I think. It was very good, and it was well thought out. Mm-hmm. You know, it if was we really good. if we had a Netflix account, it would have been tempting <laughs> to cancel. Right, <laughs> it'd be canceled by now. <laughs> so that was really good stuff. So check them out. On Fridays, we have the podcast for Cultural Reformation, which is released by the Ezra Institute. If you know about Joe Boot, who has started that, some of the people that work in that. Uh, ministry are producing this podcast. And last week, they're talking about Christian hospitality. They've talked about a theology of music with Doug Wilson before. And mm-hmm. so they're putting out some great stuff. And that comes out on our podcast feed as well. Mm-hmm. There's a plethora of great content. And yeah. it's all free for your yeah. listening ears. And we can't forget about our, our Patreon supporters who have given out of the goodness of their heart to support this ministry We love you guys. We thank you so much. Just know behind the scenes, we are working. You guys are so generous. So last week, we talked about the covenant of redemption. Yes. This week, we're going to put a pause on the covenant uh, series. It just gets kind of heavy, so we thought we'd break it apart, maybe put in like not a lighter topic, because we're talking about eugenics tonight. (laughs) Yeah, a little. (laughs) But like something... Not as theologically deep. Or uh, not as theologically thick. We're just kind of stepping away from that theme and kind of giving you something in between the different covenants. Yeah. Yeah. 
give you some more flavors. Yeah, exactly. Theological flavor and then more of a cultural. We'll come back at you next week. Yeah. With some covenant theology. That's the plan as of right now. Yeah. So if you do have questions about the covenant theology stuff, send those in still because we're not stopping that. Yeah. And that's kind of the benefit of adding like an episode about something else in between the covenant episodes is it gives people a chance to like writing questions. We can answer them and hopefully make it as clear and concise as possible. Exactly. So you kind of mentioned it, but Mm -hmm. tonight we are going to talk about eugenics. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to talk about how eugenics is linked to abortion, but also euthanasia, Mm -hmm. which has come up in the news lately. Yeah. And mental illness as well, because mental illness Uh is often used as the excuse for euthanasia. Right. So we're going to try to explain what it is. Yeah. Wade through these waters and then try to give a biblical uh, response and, and enable you to engage culture with a biblical worldview. So that's our goal tonight. We'll see if we meet it. And we'll see if we get there. (laughs) It's yet to be seen. So what are eugenics? Eugenics is the science of improving a human population by controlled breeding to increase the occurrence of desirable, hereditable characteristics. Mm -hmm. So it's like animal breeding, but for humans. Pretty much. Like when you talk about the dogs that are purebred or of this stock or yeah. was it like horses or that yeah, way too, horse right? horse racing. Well, I think any animal can be that way. Yeah, for certain purposes or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you... The 4-H-er and me just went straight there. Just jump... <laughs> I'm going to just jump right into it. You know, when you adopt an evolutionary worldview that we're all animals, yeah. then why wouldn't we treat humans? There's for sure Darwinian roots there because the strongest of the species survives and should be the ones that reproduce, and which is like kind of ironic too when you think about how we are pushing eugenics simultaneously as we're pushing like the gay agenda. Homosexuals can't reproduce, yet somehow they have been elevated to like this higher position in society even pretending to be gay to like become yeah. famous but that even goes against their own darwinian mindset of, of yeah the, their strongest of the species survive right natural selection how could they ever believe that nature is selecting them to be the top of like yeah. the food chain yeah it's, you can't reproduce yourself yeah so this, You're weak. this is just how the liberal leftist agenda implodes in on itself right. it can't even sustain its own ideologies because mm-hmm. they conflict right doesn't make any sense. But I digress. Yes. If eugenics is breeding, mm-hmm. desired breeding. Choice breeding. Mm-hmm. Where would euthanasia fall into the eugenics debate? And maybe you should define for us what euthanasia is. A simple definition of euthanasia is the painless killing of a patient suffering from an incurable and painful disease or in an irreversible coma. Okay. So to euthanize someone is basically to terminate their life. Put them out of their misery, as one might put it. And there's two different types of euthanization. So there's voluntary. Yep. Which the person who's being euthanized or killed would, they're voluntarily giving up their life, which is often referred to in the news as doctor-assisted suicide. Or physician-assisted suicide. You hear that too. Mm -hmm. Involuntary? Involuntary would be <laughs> two, two ways this happens. One is someone's in a coma, like I said, for a really long time, and this person has given power of attorney or the power to certain spouse or family members to make decisions after they've been comatose for so long. Yeah, yeah and, and 
like a vegetable state for so long that now you can pull the plug mm -hmm. and take away life preserving apparatus mm -hmm. that would be involuntary because they're not making the decision someone else's also another form was during the time of hitler's rule in the nazi regime where older people with traits or physical traits or of a certain uh, background ethnic background mm -hmm. this would have been i mean it was all jews he was killing but um, but certain people with, you know, the physical attributes that didn't mm -hmm. fit their perfect Black species, people. just euthanize them. Yeah. Just, we're going to put you out of your misery of being an inferior species. species. Yeah. Also, I think what we hear a lot in the news, usually in reference to like European countries, mm -hmm. there are certain cases now where people who are suffering from mental illness, chronic right. mental illness, um, are wanting physician-assisted suicide. But there was even a case, I was listening to Albert Moeller's The Briefing the other day, and he mm -hmm. was talking about euthanasia. And he w didn't, like, name the name of the child, but there was a child, um, I think he was, like, nine years old, who was Jeez. euthanized by his parents. So you can say, like, maybe the child wanted to die or something like that. Maybe the child verbalized, like, yes, I'd be better off dead. But it's a child who can't make that decision for itself. It was a yeah. decision made by the parents, ultimately. And it was the parents who terminated the life of their child and killed their child. So, though you may want to refer to it as a voluntary uh, euthanization, mm -hmm. like, it very much was involuntary. Because that child had no idea, like, the brevity of that situation. Well, think about that age. That's when like puberty is starting, mm -hmm. when hormones are going crazy and thought processes are not the same right now. They're kind of going a little haywire. Kids that age need a lot of parenting. Well, and he didn't get into the specifics, but if you just go online and start looking up yeah. euthanasia, it's pretty prevalent. I think Albert Muller's point was that as soon as we are allowing for physician-assisted suicides or voluntary euthanasia, mm -hmm. Very quickly afterwards, we're going to start to see a increase in involuntary euthanasia. Like, we're going to start to see parents making decisions for children and um, spouses making decisions mm -hmm. for their spouse. I mean, we're going to start to see all these weird dynamics at play, and it's dangerous waters that we are tiptoeing in right now. Well, and there's two thoughts that come to mind is when you go down this road and you don't have an objective standard exactly by which to make decisions, there's no end. That's why it's even gone to mental illness. Mm -hmm. And what that leads me to think is my second thought is this is a culture with no hope like whatsoever. Yeah. Death is the hope. There is no. Yeah, man, that is so dark and so sad. But mm -hmm. yeah, there's no hope of change like mental illness you think if you get freed from your sin if you can be discipled made new in the gospel mm -hmm. in in christ and here's how you can be made whole they don't have that and so a mental illness will look hopeless mm -hmm. and bleak and incurable that's the seedy underbelly of the the physician assisted suicide mm -hmm. and i'm not saying there aren't like crazy situations out there when someone's been a vegetable for like 26 years and like the insurance will no longer yeah. pay to keep them alive and the spouse like can't pay so they have to unplug right. like okay we can talk about the extreme cases mm -hmm. i'm not talking about that right now what i'm talking about are the cases where there's someone who is massively depressed and has been like physically harming themselves and they think 
the best solution is to just kill themselves. Yeah. As a society, instead of actually caring about these people, the best solution is to just kill them. There is eugenics in the background of these people are mentally unfit anyway, so mm-hmm. we don't want them to keep living. Right. But also, as a society who claims to care so much for the mentally ill, right? That's why they're like coming after our guns. Mentally right. unstable people should not have guns in their hands. And secular society and leftist culture especially claims is to care for the mentally ill mm-hmm. like that's one of their main podiums right one of the things that they preach is to care for the mentally ill how what hope do they offer yeah no. when the drugs don't work death then it's death yeah and it's it's a facade for like a christian like you said who, when we have a standard and a hope our hope is that when we devote our life to god and he changes our hearts and changes our desires we're not so self-focused. We mm-hmm. are working to expand the kingdom. That gives us a purpose in life. It's not just our happiness. That brings joy when we actually have a purpose. I think a lot of the reason why there's so many, quote unquote, mentally ill people in America is just because we are so lost as a country. Yeah, right. There is no hope for the average American outside of just the American dream, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Well, when you can't find that happiness, then what? Death. position assisted suicide i guess and they are showing that they don't value life because that that's one of the things that they bark back at us during the you know our anti-abortion conversations is that well you only care about birth you don't care about the rest of life right and it's like you're okay with euthanasia so again and it's not just like mental illness either i mean that's like one of the main reasons why they would advocate for euthanasia but also in cases like elderly patients who are suffering in the nursing homes or Mm -hmm. that's another one of the scenarios they use to justify. But once again, if you are an elderly person, I have two grandparents who are incredibly godly in their mid 80s and they're both living in their home still. It's getting very difficult for them to just get out and do the things that they used to do, but they still have a purpose in life. You know, they still are serving God. They know that God's still using them in the lives of their family and friends and in their church. And it does give them a purpose. They're not depressed. Like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you physically can't do the things that you want to do, Mm -hmm. but there's a purpose in suffering. And that's something that only a Christian can see, the purpose in suffering. And we can see that all throughout scripture with um, the life of Joseph and Paul and, I mean, all the disciples who were persecuted and ultimately put to death for following Christ. But that that's our hope as a Christian is that there is a point to our suffering. Yeah. And the suffering we go through is meant to point us towards the future glory. Mm-hmm. In Romans 8, the birth pangs that earth groans and we groan in our bodies and creation groans because we're longing for the glory to come. And mm-hmm. Romans 5, a few chapters earlier, said we hope in the glory of God. Mm-hmm. All of these things, they, they, they pain us and they hurt. Um, but they, they're meant to, to cause us to rejoice knowing what's coming. Right. Not that we take our situations into our own hands because later in that same chapter of Romans, Paul says, all things work together for good for those who love God are called according to his purpose. Right. And so all these things, the cancer, mental illness, all these things are ways that God is using for his good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't see it right away. Well, sometimes we see it later. Right. One of the things Cross Politic was playing on their episode a couple weeks ago, I shared it, a lot of people did, was the Cody Lee guy on America's Got Talent. He's mm-hmm. a severely autistic guy who was struggling 
to talk to the judges. But then when he played piano and sang, it was like a whole different person. Right. And it was incredible. It was like Stevie Wonder. That's amazing. That To me, that's like a picture of like the glory coming mm-hmm. after the, the pain and the struggle of things that we think are hopeless, incurable. And man, wouldn't it just be better off if he mm-hmm. was gone? So as Christians, we look at those situations and we don't buy into their their hopelessness. Mm-hmm. We have a hope. Mm-hmm. Christ's resurrection gave us hope right. over all sickness, over all disease, mental, physical, spiritual. We have hope because he conquered it all. Isn't it interesting that their hope is death and our hope is the resurrection? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a it's complete like, an- antithesis. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was Joseph who said that what Satan meant for evil, God intended to use for good. Yeah. We don't know how God can use the woman's child who was conceived out of rape for Mm -hmm. good in the world. We don't know. God does. God has a specific intention behind the life of that child that he knows how he's going to bring good out of that situation. We don't know. So our answer is not kill it. Our answer is look to God, help the mother raise this child and let God do what God's going to do in the life of that family or in the elderly person who's suffering in the nursing home um, with some physical pain or maybe even they're sad because family isn't maybe visiting them as often as that person would desire and they Mm -hmm. feel kind of lonely like okay well you're lonely what where in scripture do we see um someone who's lonely and god using loneliness well we see joseph sitting in prison we see paul sitting in prison Mm -hmm. what did they do they didn't they didn't get depressed they didn't want to die they looked to god and they kept ministering kept building and expanding god's kingdom and there was purpose that god used even that suffering for good Mm -hmm. so death is never the answer we've lost that idea of like the respect of life Mm -hmm. and valuing life and cherishing life and so yeah, that's why we don't care if we kill the old person in the nursing home, because we don't value life. But if we don't value the life inside of the womb, what makes us think we're going to value the old person sitting in the nursing home? Yeah, we've adopted the utilitarian mindset where if you're not useful Mm -hmm. to me, then you're not good to me. And that's eugenics. Exactly. So that's why we're discussing eugenics. Yep. If you're not following our desired traits or our desired ends... Mm -hmm which is to create this, you know, superior race of non-diseased, non-sick people, then you're of no use for me. Right. There's no value. And that's just absolutely contrary to the Bible. To everything we see in Scripture. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Yeah. He uses the Cody Lees to, Mm -hmm. you know, inspire and to show us the beauty. Even King David wasn't, I mean, he was the youngest brother. He was the scrawny little kid. He was ruddy looking. Apparently he was good looking, but he was the runt of the brothers. Yeah. I mean, he was a little kid. So, but God delights in using the weak. Yeah. Well, Gideon, I mean, he didn't want, he was cowardly. Well, it's even like a God's, God's promise to a woman is that, yeah, we're the weaker vessel and he calls us the weaker vessel, but Mm -hmm. that God uses our weakness in a way that only God can to be the spattering ram you know, trudging through the darkness of the world. We just need to be the weaker vessel, being faithful ministers in our home, raising up godly offspring Mm -hmm. and sharp arrows. That's, that seems like foolishness to the feministic world. Yeah. Like you're doing nothing with your life, right? Like you're just at home having babies. That seems crazy. But God uses that type of weakness and that type of faithfulness to do great things. And 
It's how God has designed to bring about his kingdom. So we kind of talked about a few different forms of eugenics. Eugenics being the, like we said, specialized breeding of humans. Basically. Uh, but like euthanasia, obviously, would be... Still a form of it. Mm-hmm. Um, abortion. Obviously. Because it's not a desired human. This right. isn't a human that we desire. This isn't what fits into our ideals of the human race right now. Well, that's why Margaret Sanger put up her Planned Parenthoods in... And that was racial, yeah. Poor black neighborhoods. Right. So if these people are ones who don't quite work, they're not really successful, they're not very productive. Well, they were black. She didn't want black people yeah. to have more and babies. That... It was very much a Aryan eugenics type of... Motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, situation. So there are definite eugenics behind Margaret Sanger's mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood and abortion. So abortion obviously yeah, has ties. ties to eugenics. And But another thing that we discussed earlier was like specialized fertility treatments. This we might step on some toes with. Yes, because we have known a lot of Christians, Christians, reformed Christians that do in vitro fertilization. Once again, we are not doctors. We are not specialists. Right. So, like, if there's someone out there who thinks that they can educate us, like, we're open to hearing. Yep. Uh, we've just known situations where couples were infertile and they were suggested to go see a specialist and have a in vitro fertilization procedure done. Mm-hmm. And basically that consists of having a baby conceived in a dish. And it's not just one baby. Usually it's multiple. Yep. And then they decide how many they're going to put into the woman to hopefully attach and mm-hmm. have a baby. And then um, typically it's upwards to five or six uh, fertilized embryos that are put into a woman. And if one of them attaches and grows, great. But the rest typically die. But the rest typically die. And those are kids and yeah that's basically miscarriages which is devastating yeah to think that if you implant five babies that four of them are going to die right possibly um so but it's not like a natural process that happens either like this is all happening at the will of the parents yeah uh also sometimes what will happen is all of the babies will attach inside the mother's womb and then the doctor will suggest terminating a few of them mm-hmm. so that the you know one or two can grow healthy. It's hard for a woman, and a woman wasn't created to give birth to five babies at once. Yeah. A lot of times, doctors will put pressure on women to terminate yeah. a couple of the babies so that she can have healthy right. twins or triplets or something like that. So it leads into all kinds of really weird moral questions, and we're having to play God we're having to decide how many, you know, implanted babies should we put into the mother. And these are just questions that are should unnecessary. <laughs> like, yeah. we just need to trust God with our fertility. Yeah. And we, you can clearly see from the Bible that he opens and closes the womb. Yeah. And so, got it. We have technology to do. We have technology to do a lot of wicked things. Yeah. Just because the technology is there does not mean it's good to do. Right. We got to go to scripture and see whether this is something we do or not. Right. I am strongly under the impression that if if you're infertile, then God's saying not right now. 
Yeah. Going down. This that- is not to say like you can't take progesterone or no prenatal yeah. vitamins to strengthen your womb or to try and help you get mm-hmm. pregnant or like we're not saying There's a lot you of can't situations. take a hormone shot, but we're saying when we're literally talking about making babies in dishes. Right. Now you're playing God. And you're not going about procreation the way God has designed us to. Right. You're taking it outside of the man and woman becoming one. Right. While those babies are in the dish, they can determine which embryo is male and which embryo is female. Mm. So if you want boy babies, you implant those. If you want girl babies, implant those. Because funny enough, we can determine at conception whether that embryo, that baby, is male or a female. Hmm. Which, like, blows the mind of everyone on, you know, the liberal left. But, like, yeah, God still creates the male and female. And so, say, parents really, really want to have a little girl. And they've had, like, four boys. Well, now they can go to the doctor and the doctor can implant a female embryo Mm -hmm. into the woman and she can give birth to a daughter. And this is eugenics, everyone. This is eugenics. (laughs) That's exactly what eugenics is. And all the people, too, who... Um, you know, are looking for what sperm donor to pick. Oh, I want this guy who went to this college and he's got this IQ and that hair color and that mm-hmm. whatever. Or I really want a redheaded child, so I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase the sperm from a man who's redheaded. Yeah. Um, eugenics. Yeah. We see this stuff in movies all the time, on TV shows, in our culture, and we don't bat an eye when we hear about eugenics during World War II in Nazi Germany. We freak out. It's because it was involuntary not voluntary because we choose it now it's now it's okay well in some senses but the children that are still uh frozen in labs right now aren't choosing it exactly yeah it's a good point they haven't chosen their path and a lot of women do that i'm not talking about like women who freeze their eggs which i still think that's another discussion we have (laughs) but i'm talking about like sometimes legitimately like parents will in that little dish fertilize like 10 babies, freeze. freeze five, implant five, and come back for the other five later, or perhaps never. This is great, yes. And it's it's insanity. Yeah, totally. So aside from like specialized fertility treatments, another thing is genetic screening. Mm-hmm. And we have heard this in our pregnancies. They've asked us to do certain genetic screenings in our pregnancies, screening for certain abnormalities, Down syndrome, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure a few other things, too, that I can't remember off the top of my head. And we refused every time. We never did extra testing. Nope. Doesn't matter. Yeah, because it didn't matter to To the Christian, us. it shouldn't matter. It, the baby is made in the image of God and it has value. It, it it doesn't make a lick of difference. Right. So, and I've no heard thanks. I've heard certain parents say things like, well, if there was an issue, we just want to be prepared. Okay, well, then prepare your heart. Ask God to prepare your heart. Mm-hmm. Like, you knowing isn't going to do anything more than you thinking this is a possibility. Because sometimes there actually are false positives in testings. Yeah. Actually, I had a friend who did have a a, a false positive. I won't mention her name, but her daughter had a a head that was measuring larger than what it should for her body size. Possibly her daughter had Down syndrome. Right. So they had to do like an amniocentesis and determine whether or not she was going to have Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And they told her there was like a 90% chance that she was going to have Down and syndrome. She and she didn't. There are certain surgeries like for certain illnesses. Yeah, that have been successful. That have been successful like um, where the, the surgeon can go in while you're pregnant yeah. and like repair like the exposed spine on a baby to where it won't have abnormalities later on. Yeah. 
that's awesome. Like, praise yeah, God for, and we're not like anti-science, anti-doctors. Like, no. there are amazing things that God has allowed. Praise God. Yeah. Not against that at all. Yeah, that's crazy. And the difference in all of this is the value of life, honestly, mm-hmm. and the preservation of life. Yeah. So that needs to be where Christians start when they're thinking about these kinds of medical things is which one preserves life. Yeah. Which one is aiming at preserving and valuing life? Which one is doing that? So for the child who has like a spine abnormality, but the doctor can fix that, then do that because that will preserve that life and give that child a better quality of life. But killing a baby because it doesn't have a foot isn't preserving life or giving that child a better quality of life. You're taking life away from it. Yeah, all, all that it does have, you're taking from it. Right. That's helpful, I think, to think of it in those kind of terms. In Alabama, there was a, a bill that's being proposed. I think it passed the House. Did it? Um, I think the governor is looking at it right now. And okay. it's essentially, in certain cases of, like, child sexual assault cases mm-hmm. and things like that, certain sex crimes, the person who, committed who is the, crime. the perpetrator mm-hmm. can be chemically sterilized. Right. So no longer able to have babies. <laughs> that could be a discussion for a whole other time. But now we're talking about sterilization. Mm-hmm. So whether or not we are in favor of sterilizing the criminal, which you and I are like, well, let's... A well, pedophile. Yeah. Like, why Why are we even, like, sterilizing them? Like, let's just kill them. Like, biblical yeah, justice biblical would just be to, like, to put them to death. Right. So, once again, that's a whole other discussion. Yes. But now we're talking about sterilization. I think it's important to realize once these concepts make it into our culture, it's just a matter of time before they expand their borders and now we're not talking about just pedophiles now we're talking about the down syndrome couple who probably shouldn't have a baby because they can barely take care of themselves so we'll sterilize them too and so on and so forth you know yeah we wouldn't want them to have any more kids right because it's hereditary yeah so even in my own family one of my second cousins has decided not to have children She's in her, like, mid-30s right now, and um, she's been married for, like, 10 years, and her and her husband decided they don't want to have children because her mother died at a relatively young age from breast cancer, mm-hmm. and, like, her aunts, same thing, and she had breast cancer and obviously survived, but because breast cancer runs in the family, she doesn't want to have children because she thinks it's cruel to bring in children into the world with that type of genetic coding. So if you thought I was crazy with what I was saying... It's happening. I won't mention her name, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that but it's happening, and we're that going happens there. all the time. Yeah, and again, the more we more we roll down this road of no objective standard and the autonomy of the person, people can do whatever is right in their own eyes, mm-hmm. and that's what's praised and heralded. Once again, this is where we're headed. There's no purpose to their life. There's no yeah kingdom building focus there's no be fruitful and multiply to do it it's whatever feels good whatever feels right whatever feels Mm -hmm. smart whatever science deems intelligent this is where we're getting into dangerous waters when it comes to a lot of these things is that maybe right now they're not doing anything morally wrong maybe Mm -hmm. maybe chemically sterilizing the pedophile i can't say with this much joy (laughs) in my Okay, so maybe chemically sterilizing the pedophile isn't 
necessarily wrong. Maybe all of us would be in favor of that. Mm -hmm. But what does it open the door to 10 months from now? Right. A year from now, two years from now, because now that door is open and we all know once it's open, it's really hard to close. Mm-hmm. At one point, abortion was supposed to be safe, legal and rare. Here we are with millions of babies dead. Right. It's not safe, legal and rare. It's it's uh, very essentially, unsafe for the baby. Well, yeah, but essentially <laughs> just birth control now. Yeah, true. So free. We need and, to be very cautious yeah. about what doors we open and we applaud because... We know that those doors will be open much wider in the near future. Yeah, any door opened away from God's word is a fast, slippery mm-hmm. slope. And in case you think we're like crazy and paranoid talking about like physician-assisted suicides and stuff, just so you know, in the states of Washington, Washington, D.C., California, Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Vermont, possibly Montana... And as of August 1st, New Jersey will now allow for doctors to help people commit suicide. All those states. All of those states. You can willingly kill yourself with the help of a physician. This is becoming an epidemic. Yeah. This is a death culture. So how do you combat a death culture? With the hope of the gospel. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. I mean, this is, guys, the, the hope of the gospel spread in your workplace, in your church, rightly proclaimed challenge your pastors and your leaders in your church to rightly and confidently and authoritatively preach the hope of the gospel yeah, and the hope of the resurrection in every area of life, all of Christ for all of life. Mm-hmm. And so that, that needs to be our foundation is this hope that all of this culture of death is void of this hope. And so that's what they need. Mm-hmm. And then we need to do it with our voting. We need to do it in the workplace and speak up and on social media and in every avenue we're given in this life to spread hope and to encourage life, to encourage the value of life. Christians need to stop being cowards Yeah. and stop being nice. People are dying and we're concerned that we might hurt someone's feelings or that someone in our family might be mad at us if we say something. You guys need to be okay with being the weird Christian. Yeah. You just have to. We live in a world where Christianity and its ethics and morals are super weird, but it is the only hope for this world, and it's what God has commanded us to do. So it's just obedience to be the weird Christian. Yeah. Stop being worried if someone is ticked off at you or that they're not going to be your friend anymore. I don't know where this, like, you just need to be the nice Christian thing started, but we really need to get over that. Like, if you read Acts, they were weird. They caused riots (laughs) everywhere. They didn't try to cause riots. All they did was share the gospel. Well, they were so weird that people thought they were drunk or possessed. Like, those were the two options. (laughs) (laughs) But they just spoke up. Yeah. And they shared the hope of the resurrection. They were... They were witnesses to the resurrection and they preached against the idolatry. Mm-hmm. And that's what got Paul thrown in prison and caused riots because he spoke against their idolatry. Right. Well, and to be really honest with you, I don't think many Americans who would support euthanasia or would support um, like in vitro fertilization, mm-hmm. like gender, gender selective implantation right. things like that. I don't think most Americans would sit here and defend eugenics. I think most of them just think in terms of comfort and what feels good. Yeah. So to the person who can't have a baby and that hurts their feelings, 
well, yeah, like have a baby then. Sure, go ahead and go to the doctor. They can handle that for you. Yeah. They don't think through the moral implications of those decisions. It feels right. And if someone's sad, let's make them unsad. How can we make someone unsad? And we're so focused on yeah, feelings comfort. and comfort and happiness and instantaneous satisfaction. Proverbs said that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is destruction. It leads to death. Yeah. And that's where we are in a society in our society right now is death. Yeah. This is our hope, death. Yeah. Because we're slaves to sin and the wages of sin is death. I mean, that's what we do when we obey just whatever our feelings are and whatever our comforts are. So you being worried about the person being uncomfortable because you're sharing Jesus, you're allowing them to just sit in their wages of sin. You're yeah. allowing them to sit in their comfort, in their death. And sometimes... It just means not like screaming at them, but just saying like, have you ever thought about what happens to those babies that are like frozen? Like what what kind of like state are they in right now? Because yeah. a lot of Christians will even say like, yeah, I believe life begins at conception, but then we'll turn around and support in vitro fertilization, which usually means freezing embryos, mm -hmm. at least periodically. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need to scream and yell and be, uh, obnoxious to to be this kind of a christian you legit just have to speak truth and ask questions and the, our, our culture's worldview is so opposed to it that it's going to ruffle feathers mm -hmm. a, a guy was arrested in canada for preaching the gospel i'm sure the rebels are going to talk about this when we first heard about it we thought maybe it was nate Wright. yeah <laughs> turns out it wasn't turns out not but he legit was telling these uh the people in this gay village as it's coined there in canada that God loves heterosexuals and homosexuals and wants and like they all need Jesus and mm -hmm. they still were rioting and he got arrested like yeah and he wasn't calling them names he wasn't screaming yelling praise being, God for that man's faithfulness no kidding our worldview is so opposed to the worldview of our culture that you don't you don't have to yell you legit like Erica said just have to be like what do you what do you think happens during abortion just bring stuff up mm -hmm. and you will see how your words just cut the room this is why our podcast is called awakening reformation because that's what we're calling you to do is to awaken a reformation it just means everyday simple faithfulness we're not asking you to go out to the gay villages and preach the gospel though we would encourage that yeah and applaud it but really just be faithful where you are yeah in your office building in your home raising godly children talking to your neighbors reaching out to your community like serving in your church just be faithful there, and mm -hmm. you will awaken a reformation if you are faithful. Yeah, exactly. Because that's how God has ordained change to happen. That's good. I hope that was informative, encouraging, edifying, and helpful for all of you guys. Please share and like the content. Subscribe to the feed. If you want to get all the new episodes every week, we greatly appreciate it. Go to rebelalliancemedia.com to take part in the Systematic for Saplings Summer Family Worship Guide. And Please share that with your friends too. Like if you have a bunch of you know other moms or dads who have little ones, just like tag them in it and say, hey, this might be helpful. Yeah, check this out. All right, everybody. We appreciate it and thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah.
Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state. Alaska in the wintertime, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest truth that should get you speechless. What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces. Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus. Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees' wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night. He called the rabbi and gave him props, said he was a teacher from God. Jesus replied, made him stop. Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in. In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again. That must have consumed and stretched his mind, cause he said, Can a man enter his mother's womb a second Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. Mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal pupils His person is beautiful His worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing A standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who was given new birth from above Thank you.